0: Episode of Rock Bottom to Recovery podcast. This is uh, episode forty-three. We uh, took a little time off this summer, uh, just to kind of uh, take a breather, and now it's September. Everybody's heading back to school, um, so we figured we might as well get the uh, Rock Bottom to Recovery podcast up and rolling. Um, So, as we said, episode forty-three. Our guest today is Noel Sierra. He is the Southeast Regional Coordinator for MORE. MORE is the Massachusetts Organization for Addiction Recovery. Um, So uh, let's uh, welcome um, Noel, and um, how you doing, Noel? I'm good, Bill. How are you? (laughs) Good. How's everything going?
1: Fantastic. Excellent.
0: Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Noel. Like, um, how did you um, get into recovery addiction and, you know, how you got to MORE?
1: Well, uh, I don't know if we have enough time for that, (laughs) but... uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) You know, I was one of five growing up in uh, in Roxbury and Jamaica Plain, and uh, you you're know, a JP boy, oh brother. Oh, we've got <laughs> but, a connection. <laughs> well, you know, um, throughout my life, you know, watching my older brothers and sisters do their thing, and you know, um, both parents going to work, you know, you get caught up in mischief and so forth and so on. Um, you know, uh, throughout life, moving to different locations. You know, the family moved out to Michigan, uh, came back from Michigan. We ended up in Brockton, um, and you know, in Brockton the same thing. You know, pa- both parents go to work, and the five of us are at home, and you know, uh, getting caught up in all kinds of drama, if you would. Um, and you know, um, at the age of 15, I got, I, I was kicked out of my house. Um, you know, I got caught up in doing what I had to do to support myself, mm-hmm. um, you know, living in, in some basements, sleeping in my school locker room. Um, uh, and I ended up, you know, getting caught up in, you know, with drugs and substance use and, um, you know, uh, to be able to support myself.
0: Were, were, you, um, were you out of control? Was that why you got kicked out of the house? Were you
1: like... Yeah... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little, j- just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I'd say so. Yeah. yeah. You know, okay. um you know, mom put her foot down and yep. and eventually, you know, um push so, came to shove and I got the the boot. Yeah.
0: That's tough for 15.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Um but I was determined though. You know, yeah. um even at that age, um you know, I was determined. I, I, I Granted, I graduated from high school. I was able to complete that. You know, I was was a knucklehead caught up in drama, you know, but I still had some goals that I wanted to accomplish. Um, You know, and I finished high school. Um, I went to Southeastern um, and I did finish, you know, high school, so that was one of my major goals for me during that time. Um, But even after that, it was just chaos and mayhem on the streets, you know. just doing, you know, I don't want to go into detail about yeah. it cause I don't want to romanticize it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But you know, uh, selling and using, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, pushing, you know, uh, uh, trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I got caught up in it, um, to the point where, you know, um, I lost somebody. Uh, um, I lost many people as a matter of fact, um, but at, at the age of 21, I was almost accused of murder. Okay. Um, and, and that was one of those things that really opened my eyes. You know, um, I had a girlfriend that was executed mm-hmm. in Brockton, and I had detectives knocking on my door talking about, hey, you know, you know and that, you know, that was one of those instances that kind of really opened my eyes yeah. to what, what am I doing? What's going on? Um, and I had the chance to get away, and I did. I moved to North Carolina, got away from everybody and everything. Um, and, and that kind of changed my life, you know?
0: Did you, did you at that, that moment, did you decide to stop using, or were you still using even when you went to North Carolina?
1: <laughs> Good question. Um, different crowd. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't using drugs, but what I was, you know, I was a teenager. I was 21, a little older, you know, than yeah. teenage years, but I was drinking. But it wasn't like the alcohol wasn't the thing that was out of control. Right. Um, so I, I didn't have the drugs around me, you know, so I didn't have the same people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, you know, somebody who was more of a mentor around me or a friend, you know. Um, we started working out there, um, I didn't know anyone when I went out there. Yeah. I did not know anyone. How'd you there. end up over there though? Uh, I got involved with a business that was actually out here in Stoughton. Um, yeah. and they were, they were going to start the business in, 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 uh, North Carolina. So I said, you know what, what better way for me to, you know, get a fresh start? So well, I, I went down there and, uh, I, I started working with them and, 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 uh, We all lived in a place together. Mm -hmm. We ate together. We drank together. We talked together, you know, and this is where um, being able to actually sit down and talk about problems or issues, you know, um, almost to be able to let, almost, how do you, how can I say this, to let it out. Yeah. You know, so many things that we hold inside (coughs) that we bottle up. That we yeah. don't get a chance to really talk about, um, you know. So
0: you're talking like I- I- issues and um, that, like, well, life. With the, the life we're dealing with, life, and we just stuff, stuff that bothers us, stuff that um, oh, yeah. you know, um, you know, just kind of messes with us, and we just we just push it in. Oh yeah. We push it down. So yeah. now you get to North Carolina. Yeah. And you're working and you're with this group of people and you're able to, what, for the first time, be able to talk freely? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's huge, Um, isn't it? You know, talk freely, laugh. Yeah. You know, joke. Um, You know, without, like, having the stress of I got to make money to, you know, to survive, to have, have a place to stay, it was like that wasn't a stress for me. Right. You know, so I was amongst people that, you know, we're honest, hardworking people that would say, "All right, you know, we're gonna get up this morning. We're gonna go after this. Like, you know, we're gonna do this today." And yeah. I was like, "All right, let's go!" And you know, and we, and I was with these people all day. Yeah. You know, so it's like by the end of the day, we're laughing about the day, laughing about issues or concerns or something funny that happened throughout the day, and it really, you know, when when they say, um, to change people. Mm-hmm places and things in recovery right okay and that's exactly what happened to me right i changed locations i changed the people i was with and i changed what i was doing right. you know what i mean and that was huge
0: and that was at 21 at about 21
1: wow. 21 or 22 around you know not to be exact yeah. you know what i mean um, but like this summer would be for me um substance-free would be 27 years. That's excellent, summer, congratulations. Um, so, you know, and I'm 40-something years old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, so from, for it's been a while now, you right. know, um, and, and I can actually, and I say that and I say it with such enthusiasm and yeah. joy, you know what I mean? Because I can honestly look at myself in the mirror and say, you know what, I don't need substances to live my life, yeah. you know? I don't need substances to have joy. I don't need substances to have peace. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so So did you, uh,
0: so it sounds like the North Carolina, that kind of became your second family.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. It, it did um, for a little while, Yeah. you know. Um, yeah. You know, I, I always stayed in contact with my mother, you know. Yep. Um, my mother was, she was one of those praying mothers, you yes. know. Um, Thank God for and, them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, she always kept me in her prayers. And I, you know, I was the baby of the family. So yeah. there was always that, you know, calling, hey, how you doing? Yep. I'm doing well, you know, just to kind of let her know I'm alive. You yeah. Know? Um, but uh, um, that, you know, it was a, a close-knit family down yeah. there. Yeah, until I came home to my own family again, yeah. you know.
0: Were you happy to come home to your family? Uh, yes, because well, family, you know, yes no. <laughs> family, family, well, family's family, like your yeah. real family. Yeah, it's well, crazy. no, no, you're right because you
1: know, you know it's funny. Um, it's funny you say that because when I did come home, I, I ended up staying with my oldest sister. Yeah, um, and she had three baby girls. Uh-huh. you know, um, so this is where I got the nickname Uncle Bubba. You know, so to all my nieces and nephews, I'm Uncle Bubba. That's um, good. Oh, <laughs> so our so so, guest today is Uncle Bubba. I <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, but you know, staying with her, you know, and it was uh, trying to find a job, trying to get yeah. reacclimated. You know what I mean? To being up north, um, it, it was tough. It it was uh, interesting, mm-hmm. um, and then I caught chicken pox.
0: Oh, okay. How old were you
1: caught chicken pox? I was like
0: 23 or 24. That's yeah. um, the older you get. Yeah. yeah. The, the worse it's supposed to be. Yeah. I've never yeah. had it. Yeah. <laughs> I I was in a, a house where they got it, and we just, we never got it, so. No kidding. I mean, I don't want to there yeah. was some wood somewhere you know you with <laughs> like, that yeah that's what god's grace yeah so you got the chicken pox
1: yeah i got the chicken pox and my sister panicked she was like oh i got three little girls at home i can't have them all with the chicken box same time she she sent me to mom <laughs> That's really? awesome. yeah so so she sent me to mom <clears throat> now i'm literally back home
0: yeah and mom took you right right in
1: open arms yeah Open arms my mother the took prodigal me and, son has returned. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly and she brought me in with open arms and uh, She gave me my room um, And I can honestly say that, you know um, It was it was part of the change of my life as well, yeah. um, you know um, Because one of the biggest Strengths is my higher power mm-hmm. is my faith in my right. relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Um, so, you know, and that started back then you know, um, because my mother, you know, she praying. She said to me, "It's really snowy outside. You want to accompany me to church?" You know, <laughs> she, and it, you know, so me being the good son, yeah, it was like, "Yeah, mom, I'll go with you." Yeah. You know, um, so I drove with her to church, and uh, and that was the beginning of a change in my life as well.
0: So when you went to church, did you, did you did you sit in there? Did you listen? Were you listening to yeah, the, the yeah. sermon? Well, you
1: know, know what's funny? Um, there wasn't a sermon. It, it, it was a prayer service. Okay. You know, um, and it was, you know, to me, I've been in, you know, I grew up in the church. You right. know what I mean? But, you know, when you're little and you grow up in the church, you're really not paying attention. Right. You know, Um. but yeah, I was. and I was paying attention. I was listening. I was just watching how people were just at the altar praying and and worshiping and you know they had some some worship music playing and stuff and you know and i was just sitting there like when is this going to end yeah you know just kind of like looking at my watch you know (laughs) like hurry up so we can get out of (laughs) here you know um but then this lady came up to me one of my mother's friends she came up to me she sat down next to me and she started talking to me about the lord she started talking to me about you know just you know having him change my life and you know and the more she talked to me the more it was like god pounding a hammer and my heart breaking yeah you know breaking up that foul ground if you would you know what i mean um and 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 i accepted jesus christ that night i you know um, and my life hasn't been the same since. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh, um, it's phenomenal. You know, we,
0: we've so we've had forty three episodes, here, and, and and not not everybody, but a, the good majority of people will tell you that their recovery is really truly connected to that higher power. Oh yeah. And um, you know, uh, I mean, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. That's that's mm-hmm. everything to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and it's you know it's nice to hear like it was changing. Actually, it's so nice to hear that uh, it was life-changing to you at a, such an early age oh, yeah. because some of the people that come through um, you know they they've spent a good majority of their life uh, struggling in addiction so oh, yeah. so yeah, it's yeah. always nice to hear those stories and and again if like the people that are watching <clears throat> you know if the higher power isn't your thing at the moment that's fine too um, you know I didn't start off with the higher power um, when I first got um, sober and uh but it took a while but um you know at some point it it really did make a change for me too so uh but keep moving forward so um so now you obviously you have a spiritual moment and uh life begins to change how do you end up um start working into recovery
1: well it's funny um I was actually working in the Carpenter's Union. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, uh, A friend of mine got me into um, the Carpenter's Union in Local 723 right here. It was actually in Stoughton for a little while. Oh, all right. Um, But now they're in Boston, I think. But uh, he got me into the Carpenter's Union, and uh, I started working there. Um, And, you know, while you're working, you're talking. You know, you get to talk to your... Your partners, the guys you work, you know, you're framing walls, you're building walls, yeah. and you're talking. During lunch break, you're talking and yeah. stuff. So I would come home every day, and I would talk to my wife about who, you know, i talked to this guy about this, talk to this guy about this. It's like, wow, you wouldn't believe the conversations. is yeah. so deep, you know. And um, I started getting hurt, you know. I started having a lot of injuries. Uh, my shoulders, my back, I, I, my my whole, just everybody. Every, every part of my body started, like, getting bad, and... Uh, I, I got to a point where, you know, talk with my wife and I said, I can't can't keep doing this anymore. I yeah. have to do something that's a little easier on my body, mm-hmm. um, where I'll be able to uh uh you know still have a de- make a decent living, support right. my family, um, but still be able to live, you know. Right. And so, you know. Um, by that time, you know, married and everything, you know. Yeah. So my wife looks at me and she says, "Well, do what you do best." <laughs> and you know, <clears throat> we love our wives, you know. Yeah. And she, and when she said that, I looked at her like, "Well, so what does I do best?" And she said, "Talk." It's <laughs> <laughs> <That is> good. <laughs> so, um, so at that point, it was just like, okay. So I talk, you know. I don't understand. Well, you know, you 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 know all the stories you tell me. She says. <clears throat> you talk to the guys at work, you give them good yeah. advice, and you know, maybe you should look into a career like counseling or something, you know, and, and I was just like, wow, that's, it, it never really dawned on me. Right. You know, it, it didn't even cross my mind. <clears throat> um, and I started, uh, I started working with youth first. Yeah. I uh, got involved um, working as a, a residential coordinator for a youth program. Did um, you like that? I did. Yeah, I did. What age? Like varied. Uh, Twelve to eighteen. Oh, 12 to eighteen. Yeah, okay, it was uh, That's a adolescent. tough adolescent. Oh, very tough. Yeah, but you know, <clears throat> you learn. To, you know, through life you learn. You know how to talk to these young ones. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and. You know, be like a role model to them, you know, and that's kind of, you know, my mindset was okay. To me, it was like, okay, I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna see what this is all about because, you know, talking with kids, dealing with kids, you know, yeah. Um, you know, mind you, I have kids of my own at home, so you know, I can deal with kids, you know what I mean? So I go (laughs) in, you know, I did my thing, and uh, the director pulled me aside one time and he says, you know, you ought to consider going back to school, and you know, I thought. 20 years later, yeah, <laughs> you want me to go back to school? It's like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, no. You know what I mean? So I thought about that, and I kind of left it alone. As I worked with the youth for a little while, the boys' youth, and then I yeah. also started working with girls that were okay. youth as well, um, which was another whole eye-opening experience, working with you know the boys and, and working with the girls, the two different dynamics oh, yeah. that is just incredible. Um, But, you know, by the grace of God, I have girls at home. So, you know, and and I grew up with two girls as well, my two older sisters. So So you have a little insight. Yeah. So, yeah, a little insight. The emotional and the (laughs)
0: crazyness that (laughs) that women bring to the table. Well, you know. (laughs) uh, No offense. (laughs) I'm just
1: saying. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny, though. (laughs) You know, the one thing I knew how to do was braid hair. (laughs) And that's what gave me favor. You know, Isn't that amazing? The, the, you know, because my sister, uh, uh, my oldest, one of my oldest sisters, she uh, taught me how to braid. So yeah. I, I would braid hair. So I, every now and then, braid my daughter's hair, so yep. I got better and better with it throughout the year. So when I was working with the girls at the girls' program, it was like, uh, you know, some of them would go in the shower and try, and I'd, and I'd say, you want me to braid your hair? They were yeah. like, you can't braid. And I was like. Yeah no but i can you know? <laughs> <laughs> until i started doing it and it was just like you know it was like well, no, noel braided my hair yeah. you know? <laughs> um, it's funny
0: though because like something just as simple as that oh yeah just opens up a whole nother um oh, door yeah. for you oh, to yeah. to really make a connection oh yeah to the ladies that's excellent oh, yeah.
1: and and it was it, you know it was one of those things that to be there you know, working with both the boys and the girls, seeing the different dynamics. Um and then going from uh uh the girls and the boys, you know, teenage adolescent years mm-hmm. to working with adults um was another complete eye opening right. experience, you know. Um, because, you know, when I was working with the girls and boys, it was seeing them before. Yeah. The substance use, yeah, you know, um, and trying to be that um, the wedge, yeah in football, Are you familiar with football I,
0: I'm not, nut, but well more of a boxing there's yeah, one guy, guy in
1: football that's that literally on the kickoff that yeah. runs down the field to break the wedge, oh yeah, yeah, okay yeah. and 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 I was I felt like I was that person, you know what I mean to to break the wedge. And make a difference in somebody's life. Yeah. And try to, after seeing the difference, the different right. dynamics between the boys, the girls, and adults, I said, you know what? I got to be a wedge breaker. Yeah. You know, like I want to a- be able, I want to be able to to break that wedge and be able to impact somebody's right. life. You know, uh, and that's how I actually became uh, or started working with adults, um, which. Was another eye-opening experience yeah. uh, working with uh, adult males um, in Roxbury at a program in Roxbury. Um, you know, it was it was tough to leave the youth mm-hmm. you know behind. Yeah, um, because the day that I left the youth, um, you know, you had to sit down and let them know a week or two before you leave. Right. Hey, you know, um, um, I enjoy you guys. You know, I'm glad to see you. You know, moving forward, doing right. better. Um, you know, and I did that, and when I did that, it was heart-wrenching, too. but um, well, there's a connection there, right? Yes. Yeah, like, and, you don't, and you don't think about these things. Um, you know, these children, because that's what they are, yeah. um, didn't know how to be loved properly, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. how to love properly, right. how to be cared for, how to be cared for properly. Because some of the stories of these kids, if I was to tell you, a couple of them were dumpster babies, a couple yeah. of them were sold for prostitution, for drugs, <laughs> for substance use. You know what I mean? So they didn't know what it was like to have someone care for them. Right. You know, someone actually take care of them right. properly, you know, and to sit down and, and say goodbye. Um, That's tough. It was hard. Yeah it was very hard and what I tried to do you know because I got my wife at home and my wife was my sounding board you know I'd come home I think even at one point my girls at home Mm. started to get jealous because I would come home and talk about the girls at the program yeah you know Um, but when I felt that or I sensed that I would have a conversation with my girls and explain to them look Um, You guys have me all the time, right? You know, I'm your father. I'm here for you They have no one right, you know, so the few hours that I spend with them over there I give them all of me. I give them everything I have my energy my joy my Mm -hmm. laughter You know my hair braiding I even bring them into the kitchen some of them and I teach them how to cook certain meals you know, what I mean, so leaving that yeah. was difficult, but the way, you know, explaining to them, you know, as adults, you know, we, we move on, you know, mm-hmm. we try to do things to better ourselves, better our families, better our situations, you know, and I tried to explain it as, as eloquently as I could, yeah. you know, as positive as I could. Um, um, but to still have that connection with them afterwards is yeah. what's powerful. Right. You know, uh, after leaving and working with the adults now, you know, I would st- still like drop my kids off at school and stop at Cumby's to get a cup of coffee, and I'd yeah. run into one of the girls five years later, and they would remember me. Of course they would. You know, yeah. Um, and, and 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 one of them, she was working at Cumbie's, and she came running out from behind the counter, and she's shouting "Noel!" and jumped on me and gave me the biggest hug, and it was just like, oh my god, yeah. The, here 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 I have this girl that I used to, you know, uh, uh, mentor. Uh, cook for her, give her her meds, you know, take care of her at this program. She's doing better. That's awesome. You know, she's back home. <clears throat> you know, she's going to school or she graduated, you know. And you played um, a part in that. Yeah. And it's
0: nice, like, when you when you go to get your coffee at Cumberland and you happen to run into them and oh, they're so yeah. happy to see you. That's like life throwing you a little
1: well, nice work. You know, it's funny. Good job. And it's funny you say that because... I was a supervisor in that program, and I would talk, you know, to some of the staff members, and Mm -hmm. I'd let them know, look, right, this is a thankless job. You're not leaving here at 11 o'clock at night, all the girls are in bed. Yeah. You're not leaving here with them going, hey, Noel, great job. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, you're leaving, you know, stressed, like... Did everything get done? Yeah. Did everybody get their meds? You know. Um, did I leave everybody in good space? You know what I mean? You're, you're leaving there like yeah. thinking about your rehashing your day, you know. Um, and it's different. Like I said, the boys' program, I would literally sit in my car for a half hour, just kind of processing the day. Yeah. And and enjoying the silence, if you would. Yeah because it was so loud and so chaotic in the boys' program as opposed to the girls' program. And it's funny because the boys would play videos and listen to music and blast, you know, so it it was constantly loud. (laughs) Yeah. But in the girls' program, you wouldn't hear much, you know, Yeah. somebody reading a book in this corner, somebody watching TV in this corner, somebody doing some knitting or crocheting in another corner, you know. Uh, somebody listening to music, listening to that, you know, so it was a yeah. different dynamic, yeah. you know. Um, but then, you know, working with adults, that's impactful.
0: It is. I think, And when you were telling me you the switch, so like, um, in talking about being the wedge, especially mm. with the youth, you, you, even though there's so much trauma that comes with them, um, you're almost like kind of clearing the way for them, guiding them, um, and, trying to get them before like the routines and the habits have been created. When I, when I say that I'm talking about addiction. Yeah. Um, so now you get into the adults and now it's all, like you said, a whole nother dynamic. I would think that, you know, with adults, they've, they have this whole, well, actually addiction, as we know, just becomes your main focus, mm-hmm. but you the routine and the habits that come just mm-hmm. to feed that addiction. Mm-hmm. So that's, I, you know how does how, how do you end up dealing with that
1: like it was it was <clears throat> it was tough yeah um, tough for the simple fact of the matter is like what you just explained yeah. um, I'm, I'm a residential uh, house manager now mm-hmm. for a men 's program, so i have um a, a gentleman who's in the men's program who may be in his late 50s who yeah. was a heroin addict most of his life and decided, I'm going to start, you know, working on my recovery now. Yeah. Um, and he has his morning habit, his afternoon habit, yeah. you know, his evening habit, you know, so trying to be able to help a person restart their life. Yeah. Um, it's almost like, um, rebuilding a car almost yeah you know because um, you know um, when you're out in the streets you're doing what you want when you want how you want with whoever you want yeah you're not asking anybody permission you're just doing it yeah you know so now that's completely changed you're in a program you have to follow house rules yeah you have to get up at six o'clock in the morning. You have to take your meds in the morning. Yeah. You have to you know, wait until the house manager says, it's time for you to have your cigarette, for you to go out and have your cigarette. Yeah. You know, So these are things that, as a man, it starts to mess with your psyche. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yep. Almost like, you know, and then you have someone who's younger than you telling you, uh, you <laughs> yeah. can't do this. Yeah. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, did you do your chore? Oh, it's time to eat. Yeah. You know, um, so you have the different dynamics, mm-hmm. um, and and it was it was a difficult transition for me.
0: So let me ask you, um, <clears throat> because you you mentioned this, you mentioned about a thankless job. Yes. Um, how did you take care of yourself? Your self-care. How do you um, leave those things and, <coughs> um, and, and not get disgruntled? I see that a lot sometimes. And it's not that people don't care. I just think people tend to get disgruntled. They get, like you said, they, you, you feel like what you're doing doesn't have an impact. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. might not see it, yeah. that's why I was saying like, it's so yeah. great to get those one little things where you bump into somebody and they're like, ah, oh, it's good to see you. That's powerful. It man. is powerful, but you don't often get those. No, you're absolutely, so
1: you're absolutely right.
0: That's, those, those can be rarity. So yeah. how, did, how do you maintain that, that, that giving spirit, that compassion, the empathy, <clears throat> and not get disgruntled? and i'm sure you did at times No, listen
1: you know you go through drama it's like it's almost like you're on a roller you're let me punch my ticket i'm on a roller coaster at seven o'clock in the morning yeah you know what i mean and you're going high and low high and low high and low but you know what um in all actuality um you know being able to understand um what an individual's coming from what an individual's going through what they've um, been through. What yeah, you know. Yeah. 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 And thinking about even my own situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um and you know where I came from, what I was going through, you know. Um my sounding board, my self-care um to preserve myself and my mm-hmm. own sanity. Um one, I, my wife. Yeah you know, I would always come home and, and just be like, <laughs> you know, she was like my therapist yeah. almost. Um, you know, uh, uh, so I would talk to her, yeah. you know, tell her about my day, tell her what went on, just talk about it. Um, but by the same token, um, I created a, a habit, an, another bad habit. Mm. Um, I I used to eat a lot too. Yeah. So I would come home, turn the TV on in my kitchen, and just sit in the kitchen, and just eat. Yeah. You know. Um, so, in some ways, I didn't take care of myself um, properly. Yeah. To be able to keep myself addiction free. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. But in some ways, I tried to by having my wife be my therapist at home. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so in, in in all actuality, um I didn't take good care of myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't I, I was I was taking a lot of that on. Right. You know. I was getting burnt out. You know, mind you, I was working in Roxbury. Yeah. Living in Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, so you you were commuting now. Yeah, so right. I was commuting. So, you know, I'd leave I'd leave my job at four and I'd be sitting in traffic for two hours. Yeah. But then by the same token, a part of that also became my prayer closet. Okay. You know what I mean? So, you know, I would put on music Mm -hmm. and I would go before my higher power, before my Lord. And I would just, you know, pray sometimes. i just listen to a sermon sometimes. It all depends on what was going on. You know what I mean? Um, did you find Did you find when you did like there were some days that you would do that, and, yeah. you would, and then
0: some days she just didn't. Oh yeah,
1: oh for uh, sure. I've
0: always asked for you, like I know myself personally like those days when I am kind of like like listening to the music or, or like you said like YouTube has these uh, awesome um, inspirational mm-hmm, mm-hmm, videos mm-hmm. and everything, and some of them, a lot of them, are God centered that I listen to. Yeah, just really has. Uh, uh, an impact on how the day begins mm-hmm. and how the day ends. Oh, for sure. Which is good. But then there's periods where I just, you know, like I don't listen to any anything. And I'm like, and nothing's going right. And I'm just like, ugh. And I, like you said, I, I tend to get burnt out. And then I'm like, well, okay, wait a minute. I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not doing the things that keep me oh, yeah. grounded. So you had the same thing. You know,
1: oh, yeah. yeah, because you go through those <laughs> periods where you're dealing with the the frustration of your day. You know, and you and you walk out of there aggravated, you like this day went to crap real fast. You know what I mean? Um you know, or or you have days like, all right, this was a good day. Everything went good, you know, I'm gonna go on my merry way now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um so every day was different. Yep. You know, every day was different and dealing with different dynamics of different people. You know, the program I was at had 30, 33 beds, you know, so I was dealing with different characters every yeah. minute of every hour of every day, yeah. you know. Um, so that, you know, that, that, that varied all the so, time.
0: So now, um, how'd you end up getting over into uh, More? Like, how did this um, job come about? And
1: More. Yeah. I actually, uh, a few years ago, I started working... Um, as a recovery coach coordinator. Okay. Um,
0: so what is that, a coordinator? The, I, know, I know what a recovery coach does, well, the, works with people in... At
1: the program that I was at, the recovery coach coordinator uh, was basically the supervisor of recovery coaches. Oh, okay. Um, so um, they just, you know, that coordinator yeah. word. <laughs> yeah, So. <laughs> you seem to be supervising a lot throughout your, uh, your life, so... <laughs> um, well, you know, um, sometimes <laughs> God puts things yeah. in order, you know. Um, so I was a recovery coach supervisor, and um, one of the things that uh, the grant, because a lot of things is through grants now. Right. Um, so one of the grants uh, that I was working under, I had to uh, build a relationship with More, mm-hmm. and also build a relationship with the Transformation Center. Um, so uh, making, uh, making a connection, I made a connection with Moore, mm-hmm. um, and in the process of making that connection, Um, they invited me to come to one of their meetings monthly meetings okay so I made it a habit to come to the monthly meeting um, because they wouldn't you know give me information you Mm -hmm. know uh, let me know what's going on you know what they're doing what their mission statement is and it was the more I went the more I felt excited about more Um, You know, so it was just like, okay, this is cool. You know, these are actually people that are, you know, fighting, you know, um, or not necessarily fighting, advocating for recovery, Mm -hmm. advocating for recovery centers, advocating for recovery coaching, advocating for law changes. And these are things that interested me. Um, And so the more I went, the more I got involved. With more, um, with more, <laughs> um, and eventually, you know, I got to meet Marianne Frankoulos, who is the CEO of More. Okay. Um, so I'm sitting at home on a Sunday, and she says, uh, sends me an email, and I'm looking at my phone, I'm like I get an email from the CEO of More yeah. on a Sunday, and now I'm thinking I must be important. <laughs> 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 um, but she invited me to be the MC for the recovery. Um, um, for the Re- recovery month celebration, oh, okay, last year. Um, so I'm sitting in my living room and I'm like, "Wow, I've, I've like I'm honored." Yeah, you know, it's like she thought of me. Yeah. Now I'm sitting here looking at myself, going, "Babe, this woman <laughs> thought of me." It's yeah. like of all people, there's so many people. She sent me an email and I felt so honored, man. I, I sent her an email. I, was, I told her I would be honored to, yeah. you know, to, to do that. And, you know, so yeah, I, I, I did that. I kept going to the meetings and the more I started going, the more I felt like, you know what, I want to be part of this. Yeah. You know, I want to be part of advocating. I want to be part of building bridges. I want to be part of the organization that's organizing more for recovery. You know, so that's how I got involved. with Mo. Excellent,
0: and yeah, you're enjoying it. So, what, what does the um, Southeast Regional Coordinator do? What is your job?
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> well. Do you um, talk? Yeah,
0: <laughs> which well, is good. Yeah, right?
1: I'm a, well. Yeah, well, I'm doing what my wife said. I'm yeah, talking. that's what <laughs> I. That's what I was <laughs> referencing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, when I was in the carpenters union, yeah. um, there was I, I. I became a rep for the council. Okay. And one of the responsibilities was um, to go out to job sites and organize carpenters for the union. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I sat down and I I read the job description, and you know, there's a lot of things that it's like, okay, I got to learn how to do this, I got to learn how to do this. But one thing I do know I know how to talk to people. Right. Um, So um, the job description is, is. Quite big. I don't have a written statement of the job description. Yeah. Um, but what I basically am going to be doing and, and am doing is like coming out to events like uh, Hope for Holyoke, Holyoke Cares, yeah. or the Hope, um, yeah, the Hope for Kids, vigil that you that the, we met. Yes. Yeah. And and so I came to that. I've been to uh, vigil in New Bedford. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'm going to vigils and basically giving information out to the community. Also building bridges with the recovery centers, Mm -hmm. Um, building bridges with, you know, the lawmakers, you know, um, building bridges with the police departments, Um, bringing information um, to them, um, to the community, so that the community can actually understand, you know, as I sit here in front of me, I have this document and it talks about the mission statement of Moore. Um, Is to organize recovering individuals, um, families, and friends into a collective voice to educate the public about the values of recovery from alcohol and other addictions. There's a lack of knowledge in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that are suffering, and a lot of people that were losing. Right. I mean, at the Holy uh, the Holbrook kids, all the photos. That's powerful, yeah. isn't it? And then when they were doing the names, I, you know, not that I knew anybody, but it impacted, just, I got really emotional. Yeah, I did too. Um, and even now, just thinking about it, so many people mm-hmm. that are dying right now. Right. You know, and there's such, there's, there's a, a, you have a cross between <clears throat> misinformed. Mm-hmm. And underinformed, right? Um, in the community, um, some people listen to the news and automatically form yeah. their own opinion about whether it's a disease, whether it's a yeah. choice, you know. Um, and the laws that are in place right now, you know, um, that more is in the process of trying to inform. Mm-hmm. so that changes can be made. But who do we inform? It's you, the public, the mother, the brother, the father, the uncle who have lost someone right. or has someone that's in active use Right. so that we can reach out to the community leaders, the people that are making these laws Right. so that they can change some of these laws, you know? Um, <clears throat> treatment instead of prison, right? you know? Um, I'm sorry, but you can't just send someone off to prison and expect them to become, you know,
0: better. Well, I can tell you, like, and so just on that alone, and, and so, and, and I have seen the changes beginning yes they're slow yeah but they are changing and um so uh, if you're just tuning in for the first time i'm a correction officer um and um in our facility these programs are beginning to happen throughout the country but you know they're not they're not happening quick enough um and so but become coming from a recovery background i get it like you were saying earlier um understanding these individuals and where they've come from and what they've been through and what's um feeding the addiction and the trauma and the emotional shame and the guilt and the self-worth that comes with addiction um so it's it's good it's great like more we need more um, mm. to be out there because uh you know the Hobart cares group i mean we've been up and rolling for five years and you know a lot of times it just feels like you're not getting anywhere mm. i mean we are and we know it but um it's 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 just so slow going. And like you were saying, we're losing so many people. In 2017, we lost 72,000 people to um, drug overdoses. And I've been waiting for 2018 to come out. Um, and it's down to 68,000. That's just the preliminary data from the um, that's Center the of Disease. No, 68,000 is in the country. Of, yeah, United States. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 68,000 in our country. Um, that's 68,000. I have, I've, I've used the, um, the 72,000 number because I, uh, I, I often use this, um, um, I want people to understand what, uh, like 72,000 kind of looks like. Gillette Stadium holds like sixty-six thousand eight hundred something seats right around there. And we lost more in one year, more than a whole stadium of people, um, to addiction. It's so now it's, 2018, it's gone down to 68,000. But like they said, it was a pr- it's a pr- preliminary data information, so it could change. Mm. And I, and I think <clears throat> the reason I brought this up was because maybe that 68,000 is just dropping in the moment. There's a lot of factors there, but that could be because of the changes that are being made now uh, with the pharmacies, prescription medication, mm. that type of stuff. What you guys are doing. Um, getting out into the community, educating people so they understand that um that stigma with addiction is going by the wayside. But it, it's it's not over yet. I mean and, and the,
1: the only and it's not really an issue, but the question that I have is what about those that are not even reporting? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um that number could increase by ten percent of the people that don't report right that they're actively using. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because nobody mm -hmm. called
0: um, when somebody um, died from an overdose. Yeah, I I mean, um, yeah, if you hear 72,000, 68,000, you know there was a
1: lot more there. You know, and and then, you know, you you talk about those that just survived an overdose. Yeah. You know, um, it's like, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, what are we doing? what I, Some of this documents that I have, it's approximately five people are dying every day from opi- opioid overdose in Massachusetts. That's a lot. Yeah. You know, uh, if you think that any of the following might help, basically what we're asking to do is asking you to educate your state rep and or your senators. Exercise your right to recovery. Um, and this is where the lack of knowledge mm-hmm. um, that we have... As constituents, to be able to pick up that phone and call our representatives and say, hey, you know, what are we doing about this? Yeah. What are we doing about that? Are we trying to make some of these changes? You know, and what are the changes? You know, act of relative to treatment, not imprisonment. You know, Uh, a proposal, the proposals to enhance public safety by enabling defendants. who are authentically engaged in treatment, these are people that are working on their recovery mm-hmm. that um, some of the drug courts, you know, right. that, you know, they go to the drug court and they say, okay, you got to stay substance free, but you got to go to this, complete this program. Okay. So they're testing positive and instead of letting them continue to work on their recovery, they're stopping them immediately. And, and throwing, and them, throwing in prison, them back in jail, yeah. You know, instead of letting them try to work out their recovery through right. their treatment, you know, um, the act of mental health uh, relative to mental health parity, um, providing equal standards for health insurance coverage for behavioral health. We don't realize how much, or how many people are self-medicating. Right. You know, they're out there using. Every drug under the sun, right. not knowing I have bipolar disorder, I have schizophrenia, right. I have, you know, a, a, a multi personality disorder, and this is why I'm using substances. Right. You know, <clears throat> those things need to be treated. They need help treating those things. <clears throat> I had one gentleman that said to me at the program that I was recently working at, he said to me, you know, um, I didn't know that I had bipolar disorder. He said, so all this time, I was using substances because I didn't know. How did he end up, did
0: you know how he ended up finding out?
1: He ended up going, <coughs> he had a doctor that, or didn't have a doctor. Yeah, You know, right. Basically, he wasn't going to the doctor, but you know, if you have a, a mental health issue, in your own head, you're looking at yourself saying, what is wrong with me? You know, I don't feel right. Something right. feels off. You know, okay, so I'm gonna, you know, drink this, or I'm going to smoke this, or I'm going to shoot that, I feel better, yeah. you know? And then all of a sudden, that becomes your habit, Right. you know? Right. So then that habit takes you from here down to here. Mm-hmm. It takes you from maybe having a job, maybe having an apartment, to not having a job, not having an apartment, being homeless, being out on the street, yeah. you know? So um, not being able to have health insurance, right. you know, and then not getting yourself diagnosed and or not knowing exactly what to tell your doctor, your, you know, your, your uh, um, the issues that you're having, yeah. you know, um, for them to properly diagnose you, you know. And then you have insurance companies that cover this but don't cover that, Right. You know? Or, you know, it's crazy. You know, or, you know, some of them, the insurance companies, they'll say, we'll just cover this amount of days in recovery. Okay, so you mean to tell me that if I have 25 years in active opioid use, that you expect me to go to a detox center for five to seven days and be good?
0: Yeah. It's
1: okay. Hard. Really? I'm gonna break a 25-year habit in seven days? Yeah, it's not a habit. Yeah, yeah, so you, you know. We know it's not happening. Yeah, for sure. And they know it's not happening. You know, so it's like, you know, but this is the insurance companies. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is, you know, we're only covered for maybe thirty days. Right. Okay, so I can go to a treatment program, but I can only go to a treatment program for thirty days.
0: Do you think? Um, have you been following any of the lawsuits with the uh, Purdue and Pharma?
1: We have. Um, we've had our ear to the ground. Yeah. Um, listening and seeing what's going on, um, and it's, they're fighting.
0: They are, and you know what? I just have to say, because I wrote down a couple of things real quick on yeah. that, um, because um, it, it sounds like a lot of money. So Oklahoma, I know Oklahoma just won their lawsuit, and they, um, they received $270 million, um, plus there was a, I, I think there was an earlier lawsuit of $85 million. Which brought it up to around, I think it was three fifty-five, which sounds like a lot of money, right? Um, and as I was looking at the information, I realized it, somewhere in there it was um, just to combat addiction alone in our country mm-hmm. costs seventy-eight billion dollars a year. Seventy-eight billion. Imagine that. It, and that's just like like um, uh, missing work um doctor um law enforcement like it's just that that's a combined um of 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 addiction anything and everything that deals with addiction 78 billion so like 350 it sounds like a lot of money but it's just a drop in the bucket compared to what really is I mean it is nice to see that now they're going after these companies but I was kind of hoping that that money might come back into the communities but you know um as I was reading even more <clears throat> one of the judges that's overseeing it in, in one part of the country is they're trying to um, just do like a general, um, you know, but the pharmaceutical companies want to settle. And it's just like, all right, here's all the money, and then we'll disperse it throughout the country, like one short deal. <laughs> um, and so they're kind of fighting that. Uh, I just, It would just nice, be nice to see that money come back into the recovery side of it, because that's what we need.
1: You know, it, it is what we need. Yeah. Um it is what we need. And, you know, some of the I'll say this, the state of Massachusetts is probably ahead of every other state. Yeah. You know, in what what we're doing uh for recovery um in the state of Massachusetts. Um but you know, just hearing that number. Yeah. Okay, three hundred how much? Fifty five three, million. Three hundred and fifty five million. That's just million. Oklahoma, that's what yeah. they received. You know. In a to- in the loss of total. When you think about that, and think about the lives that have been impacted by right. this, okay? I'm an athlete. I get hurt. Yeah. I go to the doctor. The doctor prescribed me these uh, uh, yeah. uh, painkillers. I take them for a year. Yeah. You know, or I take them for six months. I get addicted. Part of the addiction takes away your career. Yep. Part of the addiction destroys the family. Mm-hmm. Part of the addiction destroys your home. You know, if you're married, it destroys your marriage. Right. If you have children, it's just the impact, yeah, the right. ripple effect. 350 something million, that doesn't even begin to scratch yeah. the surface of the damage that has been caused right. by these companies. Yeah. You know? Who's holding them accountable? I hope, um, well, I hope like
0: throughout the country that they do hold these, they're holding them accountable, but... It's a it's a tough battle. It's a long battle. And and honestly, I actually that's probably not even the right. It is uh, holding them <laughs> accountable is just yeah. We have made a ton of money. Here's some money back. Well, take that's care what, of it.
1: that doesn't even. doesn't even come close. It doesn't, come even, come it close, doesn't so. even come close because <clears throat> the, I mean, when you throw a rock into water, it causes a ripple effect. Yeah, you know, and the ripple effect doesn't stop. You know, it goes until it reaches everywhere around. Yeah, you know, so addiction has has affected everyone around, everyone that's been caught up in addiction. Right. You know what I mean? So it's, it's something that, you know, they say money can't buy you love. Well, money ain't going to buy or money ain't going to fix the situation. No, no. You know? you,
0: but you hope they could put in some programs. Um, we're going to be wrapping this up. So I know September is recovery month. Yes, sir. And um, I know Moore has some, um, has some um, events coming up, right? Uh, yes. In Boston. Uh, yes. Where, there, towards the end
1: of the month? Um, the 16th is the Recovery Month celebration. Um, join the voices for recovery. Together we're stronger. Um, there's going to be a 9 a.m. rally and a march at City Hall Plaza at 9 a.m. Um, all the way over to Faneuil Hall um, where there's going to be speakers there. Um, There's going to be representatives there speaking on behalf of recovery as well. Um, There's going to be lunch there at the Quincy Market. Um, And after the Quincy Market lunch, this is the most powerful aspect of this day. People in recovery are going to be sharing their artwork. People in recovery are going to be sharing their their. Their skills, as far as what they've moved on to, okay. you know, there are some that are artists, some that are musicians, yeah. some that uh, uh, do comedy, some that yeah. do magic, you know. So there's uh, uh, going to be a conglomerate of different people in recovery showing their skills.
0: Wow, that's um, excellent.
1: You know, we spend a lot of time watching the news, listening about overdose, you know, left and right, but we really don't take enough time to discuss the thousands of people that are in recovery. Yeah. And doing you know, well. And doing well, yeah. yeah. And this is something that, you know, we're celebrating. So September 16th, 9 a.m., the march at City Hall Plaza, it's an all-day affair. Bring yeah. your family, bring your friends, come enjoy, and be part of the recovery celebration. That'd be awesome. Uh, you
0: get me? Um, I will actually post um, this, this picture right here. Um, onto the uh, video page so you guys can use this as a reference um, to go and, and go and see. It, it is true, like, um, the people that have come out uh, that, that are doing well in their addiction and just the creativity that they have now oh, and yeah. giving back, and it's just amazing. Um, so, guys, uh, this, this is, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Um, rock Bottom to Recovery, Episode 43. Our guest is uh, Southeast regional coordinate coordinator for uh, Moore, uh noel sierra did i pronounce that right yeah, yeah. no no it's noel <laughs> it's noel okay yeah. <laughs> um it's been great to have you on and telling your story and what you do um and well uh, is there something that we can put on so we will we'll put the link to more too so um, yeah, you guys can, can go and check out and see what more's doing yeah. um as you guys know um This is being recorded at the uh, HCAM, Holbrook HCAM, and we are a part of the, or I'm a part of the Holbrook Cares Coalition here in Holbrook. We meet the first Tuesday of every month at the town hall at 7 p.m. All are welcome to come out and, um, you know, get educated, um, trying to bring awareness um, to the community, uh, provide resources. We know that it's needed. uh, But... You know, come out, sit in on one of the meetings, and uh, if you have something to share, share it. Um, Or if you have a question, just bring it, and we'll find the answer for you. So um, thank you. It's good to be back with Rock Bottom to Recovery. Uh, We're looking forward to having some uh, amazing guests throughout the year. Uh, Tune in. You can like us on iTunes and Podbean. Uh, Put us on in the car when you're uh, driving into work or whatever. Educate yourself. Uh, Thank you guys so much for being here, um, and we'll talk to you soon. So I think we
1: probably ran about, what did we run about?